Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. John Ibbotson joins us on The Roy Green Show, uh, op-ed writer, columnist for The Globe and Mail. Just a couple of days ago, Mr. Ibbotson's column was Justin Trudeau needs to show he can lead during a crisis. Um, one of uh, John Ibbotson's books is Stephen Harper. Echoes of Stephen Harper in this country these days. John, how are you? Thanks for coming on the program. Good to be on, Roy. So the Trudeau liberal government, uh, you write in the column, seemed, quote, listless, directionless, and bored before the truckers' convoy arrived in Ottawa. And then we had the Ambassador Bridge becoming the focus of disruption of traffic flow. And you write, this is when Trudeau needed to lead. You're not seeing that. Not real leadership from the Prime Minister. Please speak to us about that. Yeah, the um, the Liberals had won a, a, a narrow victory. Remember, they lost the popular vote. Um, and it seemed almost from the time of that victory that Justin Trudeau uh, was having um, some difficulty finding his direction, uh, a sense of purpose in the third mandate. It took, it took a long time to get a cabinet reappointed. It took a long time to get the legislature back. There have only been a dozen bills introduced into the House, and most of them are either <clears throat> housekeeping bills or... Uh, legislation that had died in the last parliament that was being reintroduced. Uh, And that was before the protest began. And uh, I think some of us were wondering when the the third government was going to find its focus, what its mandate was going to be, what what the the whole purpose of it was going to be, or whether indeed Justin Trudeau was himself thinking about perhaps stepping down as prime minister uh, sooner or later. All that, and then the demonstrations arrived. Yeah, and... You referenced in your piece the Mark Carney column, or op-ed, that he wrote for the Globe and Whale, and it seems that Mr. Carney is sitting there, and you write about this, saying essentially, well, if he won't, I will. That could be one way of interpreting that line. You can't spin your way out of failure. Um, Obviously, he is being rumored as a potential successor uh, successor for Justin Trudeau. That said, he didn't run in the last federal election when he had an opportunity. Um, There are lots of other people who I think would be in the running uh, for the leadership if there were to be one. Um, Christopher Friedland, the finance minister, um, Ms. Anand, the uh, uh, defense minister. So it's not certain that he would get it. But if uh, the conservatives elect uh, Pierre as, as leader, there uh, with a, with that very populist, um, you know, farther to the right conservative stance, then you're going to have a lot of people who might not welcome that in the conservative party. You might be looking for an alternative, and a more fiscally conservative, economically sound um, alternative in someone like Mark Carney might be attractive to uh, to you know, sort of red Tories. Mark Carney for the conservative. Well, uh, Mr. Possibility? Mr. Carney, Mr. Carney would be a very interesting uh, candidate for the Conservatives, but he's not going to run for them. But I think Mr. Carney is leader of the Liberals who would interest Conservatives who don't feel they could vote for Pierre Pauliet. Yeah, I see what you mean. So Trudeau has insisted on calling the protesters against the vaccine mandates, keeps going back to that, as a fringe minority with unacceptable views. And when we look at what happened when his now former Quebec caucus chair, Joel Lightbound, stood up and said, stop dividing Canadians, stop being so divisive on this issue. I wonder just how much uh, divisiveness there is within that 
Liberal Caucus. Are we seeing the uh, the ice begin to crack, John? In the third term, it's always hard to keep your caucus under control. Stephen Harper had a lot of trouble with his caucus in the third term as well. Remember, they rebelled against uh, being allowed to speak on abortion issues. Um, so it's always hard for a third government to keep itself together. It doesn't really matter whether you're liberal or conservative. Um, Pierre Trudeau had an unsuccessful third government. Jean Chrétien had an unsuccessful third right. government. Stephen Harper had an unsuccessful third government. Um, and maybe now this is about to happen with Justin Trudeau as well. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's hard to keep people disciplined when you get into your third term. Mm-hmm. Your view, though, is that the Conservative Party's response to the truckers' convoy is even more dangerous and dividing to the party than the, what the Liberals are doing. I do believe that. Uh, look, I think there are a large minority of Canadians. Well, almost all Canadians are completely fed up with this pandemic. And a large minority of them want to see us move quickly uh, to to end restrictions um, uh, and and even to lift mandates on on vaccinations. Um, Doug Ford, I think, in Ontario is is trying to keep that group of people on side, even as he moved to dismantle the blockades um, in Windsor. Mr. Trudeau has decided that he doesn't want to portray anti-vaccine protesters. Uh, well, not anti-vaccine protesters, but at those who hold the idea that vaccines shouldn't be mandatory. He's the one who wants to divide, who wants to paint them as marginalized. And, you know, there may be more of them than he thinks. Certainly, um, uh, it, it is a potential problem for him as, uh, if those people turn against him. But it is an even bigger problem for the conservatives if they are tied to the protest and tied to um, being seen as sympathetic to those who are occupying um, Ottawa and occupying Windsor because the Windsor uh, occupation you know, did severe damage to the economy in the space of only a few days. And the Ottawa occupation is turning into just that, um, a group of people who have demands that cannot possibly met, have seized possession of the downtown and won't give it up. I cannot believe that it is going to be uh, beneficial to the Conservative Party to be tied with that group occupying the city or and, and occupying uh, Windsor. Yeah, I uh, I sense as well, and I spoke just spoke with your friend Daryl Bricker a couple of minutes ago, and co-author Daryl Bricker, mm-hmm. uh, about the issue and about the protests that are taking place in this country and the polling that uh, Ipsos did for Global News, and uh, said to Daryl, when this ends, when this trucker protest and the other protests across the country aligned with it end, it's not over. For governments, it's not over for political parties, because Canadians just seem to be more emboldened, more willing to be more uh, energetic, let's use that word, energetic and protesting, something we've only just seen develop over the last few years. Well, um, I'm not sure about that. I've just been doing some research, actually. <laughs> Things were pretty lively in the 1960s. Uh, you had some pretty big demonstrations there, and, and riots even. Um, but there is no question, I think, that um, the populism that emerged in the United States with the arrival of Donald Trump as president, the incredible stresses to the society that we have undergone through two years of pandemic, right. um, have have left people of all stripes ill-tempered and uh, and out of sorts, have led to increased populism more on the right than on the left. But there is also uh, you know a, a lot of populism on the left as well, with Black Lives Matter, for example. So maybe we are. Or have a greater tendency to go out on the street than we used to for both the left and the right. 
the question is, is that a temporary phenomenon or will it die down when, when the, the stresses that are causing them die down? Yeah, more stresses include the, uh, the uh, inflation rate and uh, soon-to-arrive interest rates. It won't be a massive climb by the Bank of Canada, obviously be minor. But it will have an impact, and people are just people are just fed up, as you said. I've been saying that when it when it comes to um, people's willingness to debate, to discuss, and I've been doing this for years on on talk radio, there always seems to be uh, some space between. Okay, here's my opinion, and here's what I'm willing to discuss. Here's what I'm willing to entertain, and there's a space between my opinion and what I'm willing to uh, to entertain. But that space has almost disappeared now. Here's my opinion. Don't argue with me. I think that's one of the legacies of social media, and I'm not being particularly innovative saying that. Many, many others have made the point. Uh, one of the impacts of the Internet and then the social media, Twitter and Facebook and the like, is that people have a tendency to harden their attitudes. They have a tendency to speak very emphatically, um, and they uh, are less likely to engage in dialogue. And then that translates not just in social media, but into political discourse generally. Newspapers like the Globe and Mail try to have a diversity of views on staff as well as in invited voices. We try to keep it civil. We try to accept the fact that the other side has a point too. But it can be increasingly difficult in this society to um, have that kind of civil discourse, even to have a space where that kind of civil discourse is permitted. And yeah, that's dangerous and that's worrying. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.